here, thelaprobateexpert.com with our live Thursday, 4 p.m. Probate Weekly. You can find it at probateweekly.com. We get together every week on Thursdays, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. We get investors, wholesalers, real estate agents, vendors talk about how to make money in probate, selling real estate, investing in real estate, working with professionals. Let me get the uh, recording going here. And we live stream this on Facebook and YouTube. If you're on Facebook or YouTube, you can put comments there. We'll probably pick them up during the call. Or if you register at probateweekly.com, you can come in live on the Zoom call and ask questions live. And so each week we try to do uh, try to bring a guest or have some content to help you do business and then work together as a group and try to find a way to make more money. I will share with you, I sometimes say every week, which is the more you participate, the more you give in life, the more you get. So you're welcome to be on the call and just watch, but if you want to participate, the more you participate, the better. If you have a question, feel free to put it in the chat box or put it in the comments. I assure you, or raise your hand or unmute yourself and ask when appropriate. I assure you, if you have a question somebody else does or 10 people do, and by participating- Are we live? Make it more interesting. Are we live? We are live. We are live on YouTube, live on Facebook, and live on, on Zoom. So- okay. <laughs> Thank you, Phil. Is that the seminar, or do I have to wait till, till four, oh, four o'clock? Okay. We're starting right um, now. We're starting right now. So I'm really excited to have here today a key vendor. One of the challenges of probate, you know, in general, probate skews lower income. Uh, and there's a lot of reasons why. One is people who plan in advance will get living trust many times avoid probate um, for a lot of reasons. But oftentimes the only asset is the house and maybe the heirs don't have any other savings or any other money. And so they have a house or two or three, but no cash. And without that cash, they don't have the money to pay for the expenses of the property, which could be a mortgage or property taxes or insurance, maintenance of the property, utilities, or maybe they don't have money for legal fees to get an attorney to help them through the probate process, or maybe even more sophisticated legal fees, something for like evicting a tenant that might be a problem or settling um, disputes with other heirs. And so one of the solutions we have as real estate professionals and probate professionals is to help them get some money. Sometimes it's selling assets, but many times there's equity in the property that could be unlocked or equity in other assets can be unlocked with a company that will advance the heirs part of the inheritance before they actually get the money. And so one of the companies I've used uh, with, or some of the contacts I've used, Paul Wilkins, I met him, I believe originally in the courthouse. Uh, he's written a book on the subject of probate. He's an expert. I've seen him at probate uh, property uh, auctions and such. So I know he's got a full vision of the marketplace. So Paul, welcome to our call. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, Bill. I appreciate it. So just for starters, you know, I, I blank on your company name because I know you personally. Uh, the company that you're involved with is? Approved Inheritance Cash, and we're located in Pasadena, California. Okay, Approved Inheritance Cash. And so how did you get into the business of Approved Inheritances? <clears throat> Actually, <laughs> kind of a sad story, but back in 1996, I, I had been working for a couple of commercial banks and got laid off. And I saw an ad in the LA Times, it was a blind ad. And um, I got called in. The company was uh, National Consumer Finance, which was in West LA at the time, ultimately merged with Budget Finance. And uh, 
from the, so since 1996 to the present, I've been involved one way or another in doing probate advances, administrator loans, and so forth. It's been a good ride, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. Fantastic. So describe what's the most common product or most common situation that you get involved with? Typically, um, somebody needs money to move. The estate's selling the property, and for whatever reason, the heir who's living there, or heirs, plural, don't have the funds to move. So probably the number one reason we advance money to people is to help them relocate. So mom and dad had a property, son's been living in it for 10, 15, 20 years, needs money for deposit, first and last month's rent maybe, moving help or whatever that looks like. What's, a, what's the most common dollar amount that you see as an initial advance? Our average transaction is probably about $10,000. So it's not a large amount, but you know, fortunately for you and I and most of the listeners, that's probably not a, a significant burden, but for, like you said, the, the socioeconomic demographic that we deal with, that, that can be substantial, right. if unattainable, and that's where we come into play. And it might be not the estate in total, but one of the heirs needs the money. And so it's a way that they can get their cash on their own. They're entitled to it because they're gonna be an heir, but they need some of it ahead of time. So it's just a way to make the process move a little more smoothly, correct? Correct. Yeah. And, you know, I see that I, I work as a listing agent with probate and trust. I have a transaction now as a trust where in order to get the property sold, um, as an agent, I offered advanced money, um, not to the heirs, but to the transaction, basically. And it can be a bit between HOA dues and some property taxes and insurance and move out company and clean up and such it can add up pretty quickly. So. So what percentage of the time do people come to you to borrow money for attorney's fees? Like they want to do a probate, but they don't have the money or they start on their own and they get stuck in the mud and need some money to get some legal help. How often does that come up for you? Uh, frequently, I'd say five to 10% of the time. Okay. You know, people don't have the money for that. And um, you and I know that good probate attorneys won't necessarily require the money up front. They'll, they'll front the uh, the filing fees and so forth to get the estate going, but there's a lot of attorneys who won't do that. And so, you know, there's a certain amount of people out there who are forced essentially to get money from somewhere to commence a probate process. Right. So that's a chunk of it. So the majority of people need some moving money or one of the heirs needs some moving money. A second case is they need upfront some attorney's fees to get started, or they may think they do or need some money, what else? Now, occasionally you get into a case where I get requests from, from people who maybe are an heir, aren't happy with the, the petitioner and the process is going, and want to hire an attorney because they want to litigate. Is that another area or opportunity that you have to advance people money, or is that something you want to avoid? I'll do it on a on a limited basis, if, if they're going to litigate and it's going to take two, three years to resolve the matter, I'm probably not too interested in that. Right. Conversely, if somebody says, I need an attorney just to watch myself to make sure that I'm not getting ripped off, that's fine. You know, that's, that's a cosmetic 
uh, situation, and I'm not af afraid of those. Okay. And then um, um, I guess there are times when people think they're going to sell the house right away and pay you back immediately, but it takes longer for whatever reason. Either the petitioner takes long or you know things come up that were unforeseen. So what's the common time frame that people borrow money and then what's kind of the long term look like? Most people approach us early on in the probate process. So most transactions are going to take nine to 12 months to be paid off just because I'm going to say, especially with COVID nowadays, it, you, it's pretty darn difficult to get a case closed in less than a year right now. Okay. Conversely, like I was talking to a gentleman this afternoon, the property's been sold already. The claims period just ended. So, and the estate attorney told me that it should be on calendar in probably three to four months. So that, that'll be a relatively short term transaction and less fees to the client. I know you do some, what I would call direct consumer marketing of sorts. I also know that you have a good reputation amongst attorneys. What percentage of your business, and again, if I ask you a question, it's proprietary or just tell me, I'm fine with that, but I'm curious. What percentage of your business comes from professional referrals like attorneys or real estate agents? What percentage comes from directly to consumer marketing? I'd say about 10% from professionals, be it attorneys or brokers, you know, such as yourself, other real estate agents, people who you know, need money for various things, cash for keys or whatever. Okay. Yeah, but most of it's coming through your marketing program, it sounds like. Yes. Good for the you. majority. Mm -hmm. Oh, good for you. I'm surprised. I, I would think it, uh, it would be different, but I guess uh, it makes sense in retrospect. So, so consumers come to you, and um, how important is it that they have an attorney in mind and that you know who that attorney is and are okay with it versus they're not sure? Does it matter to you at all? It matters only if um, they go to a, a rotten apple attorney that I've had a bad experience with, which is maybe, you know, in all the years, I'd say less than two or three in the whole state. So it really doesn't matter to me. More often than not, people will come to us if they don't have an attorney, and I'll be happy to refer them to one of the, you know, numerous people I've dealt with over the past 25 years. That way I know, you know, I'm comfortable with the, I did it today again. I would think you'd be, uh, every attorney in town would be your best friend, every probate attorney in town would be your best friend because you're, somebody's calling you for money, they kind of need your involvement. And I would believe that a consumer would take your referral as, you know, protecting your interest, which is their interest. So to me, it seems like it'd be a natural that relationship. I'm, I'm, Surprised it's not a lot more. Yeah, I, I wish it were, but yeah. Okay, well, something to work on. Um, you know, got a question in the chat box from uh, Christopher. Is there a maximum loan amount that you would do or advance that you would do? Maximum. Once I get up into the six-figure range, I get a little careful because <clears throat> we're not a, a bank or, you know, we're not a black rock or you know big hedge fund so we don't have tons of money available but again i do have 
other sources for larger transactions if necessary. So I can always put those people in touch with people who can handle much larger transactions. So you have people you can go to and that's just not really your, your basic business. Right, we don't have a lender's license. What we're doing essentially is buying a portion of the inheritance from the specific heirs and is submitting that contract to the court so we can be paid. Seven in escrow. I got that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So you're so basically advancing money ahead of time so they have a chance to to um, uh, get some of the money before they've been approved. Right. Um, and so the this is an important distinction that I think people have to understand is you're not a bank, you're not lending money, getting an interest rate. And so sometimes the, the money they pay back sounds like a lot, but at the same time, anybody can be in the business who wants to be. It's, I'm sure it's competitive. What are the typical costs or rates for um, somebody advancing money through your product? Believe it or not, we're, we're cheaper than the competition. I'm in charge of pricing, so I set it up that way. But let's say somebody wants a $10,000 advance. Um, payback in a year is typically 16500 Okay, yes, steep, but this is based without looking at credit. I don't run credit reports. We don't rely on income. We're relying solely on the inheritance. So for a lot of these people, again, who aren't working, don't have the credit, don't have the money, we're one of the few games in town and we're still in there and willing to help them out. Yeah, I think that's an important distinction is, in my experience, most of the people who get advanced inheritance would never qualify for a loan. That's why they're coming to get advance on their inheritance as opposed to a loan because there are banks, you could walk into Wells Fargo or B of A and get a personal loan or business loan, but if you don't qualify for that and your only asset, not even your credit, but your asset is the inheritance, then it gets expensive. On the flip side though, you guys have some costs. People think of how expensive the return is, but I've seen- My apologies, you ask a question. I've, I've seen you in court. Um, Phil, go ahead, hold on one second, I'll get right to you. Um, uh, I've seen you in court on matters, right? You have to go sometimes and your initiative party to so tell me about the types of things that would cause you to need to go to court and get on record or speak before a judge to get paid what, what's that look like uh will contests are are frequent um right so what, just stop right there so what that means is somebody comes to you they present a will they, they tell you a story you go wow that looks good we'll advance you ten twenty thousand dollars and the next thing you know three months later somebody else pops up and says the will's no good or here's the real will, or they aren't really a brother or sister, and now you're advanced money, but now there's some sort of litigation going on, right? Correct. And theoretically, you could get no money if the person you give money to isn't in fact an heir, right? It happens, unfortunately. <laughs> you see I don't with like a smile that. and laugh? <laughs> it happens. Okay, well, hopefully not too much. My you know, apology, well, as a real estate agent, what are we, trying to learn here, lending or securing listing? Well, Phil, I think the reason I've asked Paul Lon and the reason I've used him as recently as 
I called him this week on a transaction, is our job is to help our clients, which often are estates. And sometimes they have problems and they <clears throat> need money in order to solve the problem. They need to pay okay. somebody to move out of a property. They need to hire of course. an attorney. They need to hire an attorney to do evictions. And Paul's a vendor who services me and agents like No me. doubt about it. But are we going to ever touch upon how secure the listing on the probate? Well, this maybe this maybe this is more complicated for you, Paul. We can talk offline. But what I'd say is, part of how I secure listings, it's not just asking them to sign a contract with me; it's to give them a a more detailed game plan to get the property sold. And if they can't sell the pro property, I can have a listing, but I'm not going to get paid. But if I can go to them and say I can help you sell the property by helping you get some cash to get the tenant out, or here's some cash sense. to fix up the house, or here's some cash to get an attorney to do a partition action, that's one of the things I use to generate listings. Of course. a vendor like this. Yes. One, one of the other ways we can help real estate agents and brokers is, and I've done this several, I do this several times a year, we can reinstate mortgages that are in foreclosure we can reinstate uh, properties that are up for tax sale. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, pretty much any kind of need, um, you know, substandard, you know, red tags, if you need money for uh, repairs, you know, critical repairs that the, the city or the county are coming down on you for, you know, we can provide funds for that also. Makes so sense. And, and that way you, the real estate agent, the real estate broker, don't have to put that money out of your pocket. True. Coming out of my pocket. Okay. So, I'm sorry, Bill. So your, so your information is on the line available to us? Yeah, so I'll give you contact at the end of the show and it'll be in the show notes, but he has a website and you can contact his company or have people contact his office and they, will help people understand how much they can advance and that it can be used as a, as a resource. I was going to ask Paul, how do you, what's your process of reinstating mortgages? That's interesting. <clears throat> that uh, people that may be in foreclosure are, uh... I have a, a customer that I was helping this week. We did this last year, but he was two days away from losing the property to sale. What happens, not to get too technical is the bank, if somebody dies, the banks won't deal with just anybody. They want to deal with the court approved administrator or executor. And oftentimes, especially with COVID, the hearings are delayed <clears throat> several months. So the lender doesn't care. They're going to be going full speed ahead to foreclose while you have people living in the property or there's like Bill alluded to earlier, there's plenty of equity there. So the transaction, the property could be lost. We can step in, you know, deal. I I'm, I'm, have my years background in servicing. So I'm not afraid to roll up my sleeves and make a dozen phone calls to Wells Fargo or Chase or whoever to, you know, get the situation right in. Oh, it's so you relationships because that's pretty impressive I, i've never seen anybody save a house two days from sale i mean i've 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 been in those situations and you're saying that i know every case 
different, but you you you're just leveraging your relationships with the the service servicer with the lender. Not so much. It's just we're able to act quickly. This is not a typical loan where you have to present your income and your your credit scores and you know three references and so forth and so on. I, I can size up a situation pretty quick, often within 20, 30 minutes. And we'll, we'll cut to the chase. We can either do the deal or we can't. And if I have a situation that's they're in foreclosure, we're gonna, we're gonna get that reinstatement information right away or just step aside. And, and what he's saying is he's, he can make a decision and execute the money within days, literally, we've done it. Got it. Yeah. And with that money can hold off the foreclosure. Sometimes negotiating with a lender payments yeah. to hold off the, the foreclosure. They're gonna they're gonna get ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. Rather than the state losing a couple hundred thousand dollars in equity, they can advance some of the money and hold things off. Got it, got it. Yeah, please, Paul, put your information in the chat. Thank you. Thank you. <clears throat> so uh, now now all of a sudden you know what you can do, uh, Paul, you're becoming a popular guy. So um, what do you see as the biggest mistakes in in uh, in in, in uh, probate real estate? You you must see people all the time who needlessly lose properties, needlessly spend money they shouldn't spend. Uh, what do you see as the the most common errors that you think are correctable if a real estate agent or investor or wholesaler can step in and solve the problem? I think the biggest issue uh, is that the heirs, the administrators, they'll, they'll, it's a knee-jerk reaction. They'll respond to the first offer presented to them right. by a neighbor, by, you know, one of the numerous investors that's sending out, you know, a hundred uh, letters a day to get attention. And they undersell the property substantially. Right. I was talking to a guy in Las Vegas this afternoon that, uh, it's the first time I've seen one of these. He sold the property to Zillow. Right. And it's like, okay, I, have, I haven't looked at it that carefully yet, but I'm, I'm willing to bet that he probably undersold it by several percent had he gone through a, a, a conventional real estate broker and, and listed the property accordingly. Right. Yeah. And so I think in general, I've seen their... Uh general business practices, they're going to buy at about a 5% discount to what we could market the property to. So an $800,000 property that we would retail at 800, they'll offer it at 760. And some sellers like that because it's quick and easy and others uh, want top dollar. I've also seen them make mistakes and overpay for property. So it kind of works both ways. Uh, Paul, one of the questions we have from Christopher is, what states do you do, do your business in? Just California? Or are you national or regional? Or where do you do your business? Regional, um, most of our business is California, but we also ha have good handles on Nevada and Oregon. Mm -hmm. I personally uh, dabble in Arizona, so I'm comfortable there. Okay. And again, if you had something in a completely different state, Delaware or Indiana, whatever, I, can, I, I know enough people, I've been in this industry long enough, I can help you. So it's not like you're gonna have to scratch your head and, you know, make 25 calls. Call me. I'll get you in touch with people right away. Fantastic. Okay. Well, again, the reason I brought him on, and, and I, you know, full disclosure, um, 
Paul and companies like Paul will often um, work with professionals and pay a commission or percentage of the income and sometimes not depending if you work with them or just competitors that do. And some of those competitors just bring the files to Paul and charge more and, and give you commission. So it's kind of, in some ways, you know, hesitant. I feel like, well, this is something that I've done with other companies in, in the past, but I feel like this is really a key tool for a professional to help this state get through. And so I wanted to share it with you. And Paul's a great guy. Like I said, I've seen him at, at probate auctions. I've seen him in court. I work with him as a client. I called him this week on a, on a case where he has the, an advance and I'm trying to help him get the property moved along and sold uh, because it's been hanging out for a while. And so he's really a great resource that you guys are meeting one of the leaders in this business, in this industry, and one of the leaders in Southern California probate industry in general. So here's a chance to ask questions. Chris, you've asked some great ones. I appreciate your help today. Um, you may also have a question. Either raise your hand or put in the chat box or if you're watching online, uh, either YouTube or Facebook, if you put questions there, we'll pick them up as well. But any other questions we have for Paul? Uh, Bill, I have something. Go ahead, Josh. Um, you know, I've always wondered, I guess, and maybe you covered this, so I apologize if I missed it. Um, what criteria you look for um, when you're speaking to somebody, right? So obviously when you go through a conventional loan, FHA, they're going to run your credit. They're going to look at your DTI, your income, all that stuff. Obviously this is different. This is not a conforming loan. This is, you know, in advance. Do you, what's, what's the, the checklist that you look for? <clears throat> Good question. Um, obviously there has to be enough equity in the deal for me to get paid, you know, Sometimes, um, if, if the property's in foreclosure and they owe three eighty and it's worth four twenty, that's that's going to be too thin. But if the property's in foreclosure and it's worth eight hundred and they owe three eighty, then there's plenty of equity there, because you and I know that that property more than likely won't go to sale. You know, some smart investor or somebody will pick it up. You know, for a lot more than the uh, outstanding debt. So I am looking for equity yet at the same time, like you alluded to, I can be a lot more flexible. I, and it, it depends on the dollar amount that the person's looking for. You know, if people are looking for a relatively small amount, I could be a little more aggressive. If they're looking for a $100,000 advance and there's only 150,000 in equity, I'll probably say no. I think you're also looking for a case where the, the party's gonna sell the property. You're not looking for someone to sustain the property and get the advance of inheritance and then stay there because then you're not going to pay back, correct? Well, actually, um, I having a lending background, I'm a lot more flexible than the competition. I have several clients that have helped get reverse mortgages. Uh, for example, we'll advance them the money to pay the attorneys, do the repairs nest. One, one in particular, I'm thinking here in Pasadena, we become old buds. She's a great cook and she's had me over a couple of times for, for lunch. Anyway, we'll help her. We helped her pay the, the estate bills, help her make some repairs so that when probate closed, the property was distributed to her. We had leaned the property to cover my bacon, of course. But then the reverse mortgage paid us off and everybody's happy. She kept the property. I got paid. Life is nice. good. Nice. Okay. So um, 
again, the advantages of working with a professional always are better results, better service. Uh, and that's the reason why we have Paul on the call today. Uh, he's one of the professionals, one of the top professionals in this field. And I've talked to companies, I've, ta I've worked with his competitors as well as him, and I've talked to other competitors who I wouldn't do business with because they may not know what they're doing as much as he does. So, good. Who, uh, who else has a question for Paul regarding advanced inheritance and, and probate in general? And I have a question. Go ahead, Christopher. Hi, Paul. Can you advise um, what is the maximum uh, percentage of a, an heir's inheritance that you will lend for? So, for example, if their inheritance is $100,000, do you have a cap, uh, broadly speaking? That's a good question, and it varies. If we're in the early stages of probate and the property hasn't been sold, I'm saying the property because typically most of the cases I see have real property in them, and typically the property is sold because it's the only major asset of the estate. In those kind of situations, I'll probably keep it at a 30 to 40 percent uh, LTV, so to say. But if the property has been sold and the claims period is over, and I don't have to worry about additional bills coming up and biting the estate on the rear end, then I can go higher than that, you know, and perhaps I've gone as high as 80 percent. I don't like doing that. But if the circumstances are warranted, we will and can and have done that. So that's that's a good question. And it, uh, the only fallback I can say is it really depends on the stage at which we are during the probate process. And one quick follow up to that answer. I appreciate that. Um, as we're advising our clients, uh, I understand the ratios you just mentioned, and it's dependent upon the time. The second question that the clients are going to have is, how do you determine what the return is? Well, obviously, you determine the, re the return percentage you need based upon similar factors just mentioned. So let's say you loan someone 10000 and it's going to, you would anticipate a year to receive your funds back, and they pay back sixteen five. So that's 6500 or 65% annualized if it takes a year, right? If it takes two years, then your return goes down. Do you have any kind of metric? that we could use in in advising our clients what rates uh because that's the easiest rate easiest way to explain it to them right a percentage of the cost for the funds if you want to say you know just as a ballpark use 40 or 50 percent uh, you could you know you're right if if a transaction let's say that ten thousand dollar transaction gets paid off in six months the price is 14.5 so you know, I'm not afraid to pull out the scissors and help save the customer some money. But uh, let the let the pricing go to me and just just tell them it's expensive. I I don't make any excuses and I tell people this all the time. It's expensive, but if we're helping you solve a problem that's keeping you up at night because you're stressed out, or we're saving the property from foreclosure or helping you move because you have no other money then the transaction is worth it if you're going to do something frivolous with the money like you know i have people call up i want fifty thousand. what do you want 50 i want to buy a new car well you know what my friend take five or ten thousand dollars make that as a down payment and get a three percent loan from ford motor credit 
that's better for you. I'm a former bank lender and a real estate person. So I'm honest. I'll tell the customer the best solution at the cheapest cost to them. And if it's if we're the only answer and the only solution, then I'm not afraid to offer my services and get the job done. But I'm, I'm thoughtful and considerate it. of the situation. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. If I can add, uh, Christopher, for your benefit, having worked with him before, if you go to his website, uh, which is approvedinheritancecash.com, you have two choices. You can call him or you can apply now online and fill in a form. In my experience, is you, I, I call and get an, an answer what they can do right away. So I don't put my customer in the, in the position of having to figure that out. I'll call them and walk through a scenario and, and then send them over to them as well. So that way it's a little more, as a realtor, I feel like that I'm, I'm packaging up a solution a little more personally than just sending them on to the vendor. Okay, good. Well, that's some good stuff so far. Any other questions, comments? Again, we have a, a guy here who's a professional, long time. We, let me ask you, uh, Paul, you know, uh, COVID, uh, a year ago, March, so uh, 18 months ago, 19 months ago, uh, shut the court down. It was shut down for three months or so, opened up to some degree, whatever it is today. I don't know if it's open or closed today, but it is what it is. How has all this changed your business from a year and a half ago? A good question. Yeah, last year, the few months right after COVID hit and the courts were closed, yeah, we were really slow because we couldn't process very much. We couldn't obtain information from the courts and people couldn't file petitions. So now that the courts have been reopened, um, I am seeing last few months uh, an increase, at least of the death certificates attached to probate petitions. I am seeing an increase of those petitions attributable to COVID deaths. Mm. So I anticipate for probably the next year or so, we're going to have a, a higher number of probate filings because unfortunately due to this pandemic, it's killed more people and more people unprepared for yeah. their yeah. passing. So these are the people that go through probate. They didn't have time to set up trust and, you know, unfortunately, their errors will end up doing the work. Yeah. Yep. Do you, how do you see oh, the oper operational differences now, but between now and before COVID, or do you see any differences? Uh, yeah. I was talking to an attorney in LA, uh, an LA court this afternoon or an LA case. It's funny. Uh, LA, as you know, Bill has what, like five, six probate uh, courts. Uh, divisions I guess that's a better term and some of the divisions if you submit paperwork today you'll be on calendar in two months for a final some of them taking four or five months yeah that's really weird and that's within the same jurisdiction on the same floor yeah, yeah. next door <laughs> yeah. Yeah. or two doors down 6979 whatever you know it's you know, very strange how that uh, there's differentials within the same, you know, county. You know, in, in L.A., I noticed uh, something interesting that the filings from the filing date to the first hearing is almost always now within 30 to 35 days, which is great. The filings for sale confirmation are almost always 
30 to 35 days unless they request longer. But 850 petitions, uh, HEXA petitions, for example, are six months out still. And, and I've listened to, I heard the judge say before it's because of the COVID. I'm thinking, why does that take six months, but the, the initial hearing can be done in 30 days? And I, I think that, you know, what you experience almost is people get away with what they can, what they can get away with, and, and there isn't the same pushing on that. So I would say some things are kind of back to normal. In some regards, the initial hearings are almost faster now because the courts almost want to do everything via video or ahead of time and are moving the cases through to avoid traffic. But other matters seem to take a lot longer. Hearings, for example, are, are scheduled out um, when there's a contest uh, a lot longer. Um, okay. Well, so I know it's now it's sixty days out, Bill, from initial hearing. For an initial hearing, sixty days. From yeah, yeah, they're 40, 45, 60 days. No, that's not what I. I haven't looked at it in the last week or two, but we track it pretty close. Um, okay, you know, uh, still better than it was. You know, when COVID first started, they've definitely had caught up and. I think now because there's there's vacation time, the summertime for judges, and there's the holiday times, and uh, might be part of it. There's a week they're close. I think in September, October, they get, they fall behind. But uh, generally, yeah, no, it's it's definitely uh, it's a moving target for sure. Um, okay. Uh, Bill, I have one more quick question for Paul, if you don't mind. Sure. Paul, uh, just to uh, confirm, do you also provide? funding if someone is in the middle of, let's say, a partition sale, let's say a property was left to two heirs, or let's say three, three, three people on title uh, as joint tenants and mom dies and now the two kids own it, tenants in common, would you loan or provide funds to one to buy out the other if the plan is to resell it? Uh, it's quite possible. If I can't do the transaction again, I have I've been in this industry a long time and I have some good contacts who are, you know, bona fide lenders so they can get it done. And we're talking specialists. I mean, you, you obviously can't go to Bank of America or Wells Fargo and get these kind of loans. But I do know people who can make these things happen. Some of them I worked with for many years at a prior employer and others I've met at the court like I did Bill years ago. And, uh, have uh, just developed good relationships with uh, honest, trustworthy people. Okay, so, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Sure, thank yeah. you. Yeah, Chris, we can't get help with that one. I literally have a a, a partition action I got financing for, um, and the key I think is also having the right attorney in the case. If you have a specialist in partition matters, getting money for them, uh, if, if that's what's required, um, uh, an attorney that you will make sure you get somebody who really knows what they're doing to get the advance done. So um, I'd be glad to help you with that as well. Great. Who else has a question for uh, Paul? As we're kind of getting towards the wrap up here. Any other questions for Paul? No? Okay, so again, um, look, uh, Paul's uh, company is uh, advanced, I'm, I'm sorry, approvedinheritancecash.com. I put in the chat box his contact info and his website. If you have questions on a particular deal, you can hit the website, make a phone call, fill out the form. My experience is he'll get you back an answer. If not on the phone call, he'll give you some, some information and you get that and he'll make, he'll make an answer for you, you know, fairly quickly. Um, Did so, I put in a plug for my book? Please. Oh, actually, you're right. Your book. You know, when I when I met him, he, he, uh, we talked on the phone and he showed up at court the next day and gave me a copy. I can't quite see it. Let me spotlight you one second. Hold on. 
Probate for Real, for real Estate Investors. Investors. You can contact me here and I'll be happy to get you a copy. I read it. It's great. Recommend it. Uh, and he's really giving it uh, a... Uh, well, this is more for how to buy the property as an investor to make money on finding properties, how to get them and how do you get them efficiently and productively. So thank you. That's a yes plug. Not on I, Amazon. The only way to get it is through you personally. Now they get it through you. Do you sign the book as well? Sure, be happy to. <laughs> uh, I got a sign copy. So definitely you want to get a sign copy as well. Good. So look, that's all I really have today. I don't see any of the questions in the chat box. I don't see any questions on our social media. So thank you everybody for participating. Christopher, thank you for um, uh, some great questions today. Really made things go well. Let's see, filing at mosque yesterday, 1217 initial hearing. Wow, that's two months. Uh, Josh, you're right. That's, uh, that is out there. So um, appreciate you guys being on the call today. We do this every Thursday, 4 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we also have recording, if you want to see it, probateweeklyepisodes.com, or all the past episodes on YouTube. If I can help you, call, text, or email me. I'm Bill Gross, the LA Probate Expert. I really appreciate um, Paul, thank you so much for being on today. Really appreciate thank you, Bill, for always. having me. Thank you for all and, the questions. And, and reach out to him. There's his contact info in the chat box. Make sure you ask for a copy of the book. If you're from some business, ask for him to sign up for you. Make it a great week. Thank you, everybody, for participating. I 